Uh, what do you want to talk about for the cold open? <laughs> yes, a little bit more upbeat than yeah. cancer. Cancer, maybe not. <laughs> Welcome to this new episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Elise. And I'm your other host, Andy. And welcome back to the show. There's been absolutely no interruption for us between last week and this week because we are banking a couple of episodes leading up to the the Easter long weekend. Yeah. We also tend to record one or two at a time. Yeah. Because Andy's got kids and as we've discussed, they're... They can be little shit monsters that are really hard to wrangle, so... <laughs> we also both have lives, and, like, there's not True. that many days that we can... Well, for me. <laughs> yeah. It's a very different story on this that's side. True, that's true. That's <laughs> true. But next week, we can't get together because of you, so it's not always just That's me. true. That, yeah. Because I only have two days that I can do this, so... Yeah. And uh, next week's going to be rough for me. I've got to not be able to put on pajamas at, like, 7 o'clock for, like two nights in a row i'm not looking forward to that (laughs) i'm gonna be a monster by friday i'm calling it right now well you'll smoke a bowl you'll be fine yeah (laughs) i'm already looking forward to it (laughs) well let us dive into our story we're both coming in blind to this Mm -hmm. week's stories for each other uh so i'm super excited to hear what you've got to tell us i went first last week so andy's gonna go first this week so let it be broke and tell me a story. So, um, as most of our listeners know that I was in embargo on sex, but I did not do sex topics. So I didn't just dive right in with a sex topic, which I'm sure if we had listeners okay, who good. were betting, they would be like, ooh, she go crack out. Because like, I begged you not to because yes. I am going to seriously prepare and sit on two episodes, one about the Puritans and the other about the Victorians, <laughs> so that I can counter your dirty, smutty-mindedness. Like, you don't have a dirty son. (laughs) As I pointed out, we came up with this idea while joint watching a documentary on sex dolls. Yeah, but we were watching it on TLC, so... (laughs) Which, by the way, there is another sex dolls documentary on Netflix right now. And every time I scroll past it, I'm just like... (gasps) But I think we want to save sex dolls for, like, an anniversary show or something like that. That is true. I agree. So some months ago, I saw this article on BuzzFeed that launched this rabbit hole about a, a kid. And I say kid, although the man was 33 years old. Who hey, was, I'm 33 years old, too. I'm still a kid. Who was ejecting himself with his own cum. <laughs> so. Wait, wait. For fun? Or? <laughs> I'm sure we'll so, get into that. So <laughs> I read this. And I'm like, what the sweet fuck did I just read? Florida. <laughs> no, I don't even think it was from Florida. Um, I added it to my reading list. Okay. Yeah. Because I didn't have like a chance to really dig down into it. And I knew that this was going to spawn a rabbit hole. How could it not? I, so when I first read the uh, read this article, I, as I said, didn't have time. But now I do. So hold your nuts. <laughs> it's actually not that wild, but Word I get play. it to like, Yeah. <laughs> So the title of this first article was Man Injects Himself with Semen as a Back Pain Cure. And it didn't turn out well. Oh, I 
I've had back pain since my tits came in, so I was like, that's the problem. I just don't have a ready supply of semen to fix the problem with. But now that you've told me it didn't turn out well, I'm very disappointed and disillusioned. I know that we're all shocked by the fact that it didn't turn out well. Yeah. So this case, uh, a case report was published in the Irish Medical Journal. Researchers describe a 33-year-old man who was old enough to know fucking better. (laughs) Who took himself to hospital with severe back pain after lifting something heavy. I guess he had been having chronic back pain for some time. When doctors examined him, they found a red swollen spot in his right arm. This, as it turns out, is where he was doing his cum shots. Oh, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this this episode is going to be bad for puns. I can feel it already. So the researchers very generously described this as semen therapy as an innovative method to treat back pain devised independently of any medical advice. Or no. common sense. Or common sense. Like, no shit. I don't think any doctor was like, dude, I know what's going to fix your back pain. You should come in your arm, like, with a needle. <laughs> oh my god. People are so dumb. What was it? It was a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, like, if you go to your doctor with something, like, discuss it openly, because there's nothing that you will say that will shock them. And if you do, you're going to end up in a medical journal. Case in point. <laughs> I think that was the period episode, so we've gone a complete 360 on this one. Yeah. Sorry, 180 on this one. <laughs> uh, so, as I... With anyone with medical training or any kind of, like, I don't know, common sense (laughs) would recommend this as a treatment option. Yeah, yeah. So his process for the last 18 months has been to inject his spunk into both his veins (gasps) and his muscle. Like BuzzFeed, (laughs) I would like to remind the listeners at home that injecting random shit into your veins which can cause infections, clots, and be life-threatening, is not a good idea. Life, uh, actual BuzzFeed had a, like, please don't don't inject random stuff into your veins. Um, luckily for this guy, he kept missing his veins, so really he was just injecting cum into his soft tissue. Not that that's much better. I mean, it's really on brand, right? Like, he's dumb enough to think it's a good idea, but he's not quite smart enough to find the vein. I know, like, obviously he was never a heroin addict. Cause right. You know, on my veins anywhere. On my list of topics to cover is uh, Darwinism and social Darwinism, and this guy would have been great for the social Darwinism aspect. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so what happened was his spunk just ended up sitting around like a high as fuck Elise on a Friday night (laughs) and caused a serious infection of tissue under his skin unlike you but right. like it just ended up just sitting there like yeah like <laughs> it's not gonna get absorbed like yeah. wow so the case study authors they did their homework to solve the question of i'm sure we're all asking where Why? did this idea come yeah. from <laughs> and according to them after a search of the more eccentric internet sites and forums They found no other documentation of semen injections for back pain therapy or really semen injections for any any use at all. So this guy just dreamt it up on his own. Yes. So they figured, like most of us, like he must have seen this somewhere. No, no, no. He came up with this brilliant idea all by himself. 
he's the Jenny McCarthy of semen therapy. <laughs> like, also, there's no such thing as semen therapy. There's no such thing as vaccine cause autism either, but look <laughs> at where we are. <laughs> uh, I, apparently, they also wrote this is the first reported case of semen injection for use as a medical treatment. <laughs> Hopefully the last, but guys, I, I put that anyway. I'm also questioning their use of medical treatment, but you know, <laughs> I think they're using you know playing a little laugh fast right. and loose with the term, or it's ironic, yeah, <laughs> um, because I would never consider this to be advisable medical treatment. So semen dude was giving uh, IV antibiotics, but checked himself out of the hospital and refused to have the ab- the the like abscess drained. So he, like, sure. kept it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, it's his arm baby at this point. Like, uh, So um, he refused to have it drained of the infection and fluid that was there. And died uh, three days later. I, I still have no <laughs> update on this. So I, if I ever see one, I will right. let you know. He also never explained why he thought this would cure his back pain. Because, again, other than how stupid this is, he was doing it in his arm, not even his back. Well, I mean, you get your vaccines in your arms, allergy shots. It's <laughs> the stupid. Again, it's like the flat earthers last week. We're trying to add common sense into an area where there just is none. So y'all know after I read this, I Googled guy injects himself with and left it blank to Ooh, see what the top predictive Googles are the best. So the top predictive Googles were uh, guy injects himself with glow stick, oh. CRISPR, oil, snake venom, herpes, and HIV. Okay. Well, is this show about social Darwinism? <laughs> it probably should be. <laughs> it is not, however. It's about biohacking. <laughs> so at this point, I'm a bit worried about humanity because oh. I had much the same look on my face <laughs> as you just did. I think we've all been worried about humanity for a long time. Because like... People cannot be this stupid, right? Oh, no, we are. (laughs) But they are. Yes, yes. (laughs) So first I clicked on the glow stick option. So what comes up is this weird photo taken off Facebook with a caption, filled a syringe with the shit from a glow stick. And the picture was a guy holding a syringe sort of like this. So supposedly injecting himself with that in that sort of vein you see right in your your wrist. wrist. Okay. And it's sort of glowing. Okay. What I gather from the discussion around it, it's a photoshopped picture. Yeah. Because, A, that would be... I could barely inject myself with a pen, preloaded pen in my stomach (laughs) uh, um, when I was on fertility drugs, because I used to make Dan do it, because I was having a hard time, like, just... The manual dexterity of it all? Yes. So, So, yeah, I don't even know if, like... I have a hard time clipping my own toenails with the, like, on the baby toes sometimes, so I get it. Like, <laughs> from what I gathered, it's a photoshopped picture from, no shit, the original one was posted to 4chan. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yes. So when I went back and clicked on the guy who injected himself with CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R. Yeah, what is that? So this is when I discovered biohacking. Okay. So I'm not entirely still sure what CRISPR is. I uh, I think it's something to do with... A protein that your body creates when it has immuno reaction to something. Anyways, that was way above my like biology. I pictured that crispy rice chocolate bar. <laughs> that was just me. That probably speaks more to like my body type. 
than anything, but there it is. <laughs> but no, there is a dairy milk crispy rice. So yeah, there it is. Uh, so what is biohacking? According to dictionary.com, it is the activity of exploiting genetic experimentality without regards to accepted ethical standards or for a criminal purpose. Oh, eugenics. According to Wikipedia, biohackers are also called grinders. Oh, boy. Not to be confused with the gay dating app, Grinder. Yeah. <laughs> Which, last week, yeah, yeah we're selling out again. <laughs> Anyone wants to rent them, let us know. <laughs> we're trying to pay for a house. I'll do it any way I can. <laughs> it's real cheap. Just listen to the show a couple of times. <laughs> the, these are people who apply the hacker ethic to improve their own bodies with DIY cybernetic devices or introducing chemicals into their body to enhance or change their body's functionality. Okay. I feel like this is going to end up in a movie covered by how did this get made at some point, if it hasn't already. Probably. (laughs) Uh, So this weirdly growing DIY science that is emerging outside of the normal lab setting. Do not like that term DIY science. Do not like it at all. (laughs) I refer to it a lot because they refer to it as something else, but I'm like DIY science. This is what people's going to understand. So what I can tell is that these people believe that science and technology belongs to everyone. And what that means is they do not like the normal lab setting and they don't believe that you should have to test out your brilliant ideas for 10 to 15 years before getting approved. We're right on back to Theranos. Yes. So (laughs) exactly. So, I mean, like they have some great ideas exactly sort of back to that Theranos uh, if people missed the, I don't know how much the cold open, we're probably going to cut it out anyway. But look up Theranos, look up, uh, what was it? The Edison machine. The Edison machine. And Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, The Dropout, which is the podcast about it. There's a couple of movies coming out. It's quite an interesting, mind-boggling story of how nobody can do due, due diligence anymore. Yeah. And please don't trust Walgreens. Yeah. Or dirt bags. Yes. I- um, so like they all have great ideas, but when it comes up with a working plan and testing it, it's often on themselves. I get that the frustration of the normal clinical setting and how many times we hear about like a promising new cure for cancer. Mm. We often ain't ever hear about it again because like it does take 10 to 15 years for it to go through the process. It might just not be that promising on humans, yeah. but they have to go through those steps in order to make sure that it is. And won't kill anyone. Won't kill anybody. Like, I also get, like, if you are dying of cancer, then I'd be like, yeah, sure, sign me up. Let's eject me with whatever. It's yeah. not like I'm not dying anyway. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to, like, start injecting myself with random things to make my muscles better. I'm okay with how I look. Yeah. You know what? Captain America, not a real thing. Just throwing that out there. I heard biohacker. Yeah. And these people want to work faster than that and get their, like, cures out to the people faster. So one of the articles that I found on was about this Joshua Zayner, who, uh, and, and a lot of the articles that I found, like, does talk about him. So he is a biohacker and a biohacking stuntman. He holds a PhD in biochemistry and biophysics. So, I mean, he does have the background. Right. And has maybe sort of invented this latest craze in biohacking of performing these, like, really outrageous uh, experiments on themselves. Like, taking these untested things and injecting them into his body. So some of the stunts, let's call it stunts, because he does it in front of reporters or records it and puts it up on YouTube. 
Um, he has sterilized his body to transplant his entire microbiome. And that was done in front of a reporter. He has tried to sell DIY kits to make glow-in-the-dark beer. Again, glow-in-the-dark really does come into feature quite a bit. It's the thing of the future. Yeah. He uh, has extensively documented the attempts to genetically engineer the color of his skin. And from what I can tell from some of the other articles that I was reading, I, I think he was trying to make himself fluorescent, like glow-in-the-dark sort of idea. Okay. It's like he was trying to make himself darker or lighter or... I feel like there's a Margaret Atwood novel about this. Yeah. Oryx and Crake. Like, it's been done. And he also did that YouTube stunt of injecting himself with CRISPR, which is supposed to help his muscles. Although he admits that it probably will not work. Currently, he's in a fight with the FDA to... Um, he's trying to sell these DIY kits for CRISPR so you could make your own uh, stuff to inject in yourself. I think that's a terrible right. idea. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> what I discovered in this world is full of smart people going rogue and being stupid. <laughs> I, I get that like a lot of the people who have changed the world and the things that we now consider as normal were sort of rogues themselves every like you have to take a flying leap every now and then yeah and it sort of goes back to that theranos like she talks about how like when you try to change the world you have an idea and then people tell you you're crazy and then you finally change the world yeah so i get that we have to have lots of these people before someone actually has an idea that works but there's a big difference between somebody giving himself a small dosage of smallpox on the arm in the 1500s which started modern vaccinations versus somebody dumping technology into Walgreens that just doesn't exist. It's completely yeah. fictional. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, we're talking about a different scale now. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm saying I get the whole, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Kool-Aid that these people are yeah. drinking. Flying leaps are useful when you land. Yes. But lots of people don't land. That's just it. If you find something that is world-changing, how are you going to prove it if you've only tested it on yourself? Yeah. Like, it's not a fluke. Yeah, exactly. And how are you going to be able to test that or model that on a large uh, scale? So Zayner himself even admits that um, the scene might be going too far. And what brought him to this self-revelation was watching the CEO of Ascendance Bio drop Trow at a biotech conference and inject himself on stage with an untested herpes treatment. (sighs) Did it give him herpes? I, I have the question of, did the CEO already have herpes? I don't know. I'm kind of assuming he already had herpes if he's, test- if he's treating himself with an untested herpes treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you're just, it's just nothing that you're injecting and you're yeah. not going to prove it one way or another. Yeah. You're not going to be able to prove it. So that it. is a really brave way of coming out as having herpes. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't sue us. I'm assuming you have herpes because you Allegedly. Just- yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. I'm not saying you do or don't, but by your actions, I'm going to guess this guy yeah. does. So uh, Ascendance uh, is a company that fell apart lo- long after this conference. Oh, really? Because the president was a little bit bonkers? Yeah. Um, so this company, as even Zayner points out, is uh, a bit sketchy. So they claim to be interested in gene therapy, but only hired biohackers and not legitimate medical researchers. Oh, good. So biohackers are generally either cheaper or for some, they there's a lot of people who worked for this company that claim they never got paid at all. Oh, well. we'll so yeah. That. 
So Zayner sees himself as a scientist and a social activist looking at topics mainstream researchers just aren't looking at or the National Health Institute isn't funding. And that's what a lot of these biohackers sort of talk about is they're doing research that isn't being done. Because the National Institutes want to throw their money at like cancer research and not turning yourself purple. Well, some of the things that he was talking about that I don't mention in here was sort of, um, it sounds gross, is fecal transplants. That's legit. And that is becoming legitimate. Yes. But it's something that these biohackers, I guess, started looking at. Hmm. Um, and it's mm-hmm. like sometimes broken it, clock's gonna be right twice a day. Yeah, like <laughs> true. <laughs> so I mean, this Ascendance company was sketchy as fuck um, because they weren't hiring medical researchers. They had the CEO did the herpes. They had someone else inject themselves with a um, untested HIV treatment, also on camera. So this company, yeah. Sketchy as fuck. And also fell apart. Again, these biohackers, it's kind of interesting to me because I think like, A, it's dumb, but I get what they're sort of trying to do. So I think the topic of uh, biohacking is both interesting and stupid. Uh, (laughs) Testing things on yourself that's not properly tested is dangerous. But these people are doing it like at least consenting. It's not like they're testing treatment prisoners. Yeah. They're just mentally ill. Yeah. They're just doing, they're putting themselves at risk, knowing that they're putting themselves at risk. Which I mean, I guess is fine, but like, unless your medical file says like biohacker, you're still going to like fall on the system at some point. Yeah. And then it's our taxpayer dollars fixing these dummies. Well, most of these people are in America, so yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) they're paying the rest of well anyway, so might as well. You know, but people like these have made uh, life altering discoveries in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a short uh, rabbit hole for me, but uh, in summary, I'd like to say just don't inject yourself with cum. I mean, it depends on what the injection method in sight is. <laughs> <laughs> you ever, saw, ever thought of that way, Rob? <laughs> don't be doing shots of cum intravenously via a needle. Yes, thank you. You really had to be clear there. Because yeah. <laughs> the first half of that sentence, I was also going to jump on. <laughs> dummies like real bad dummies oh yeah i kind of assumed you'd have more to say but i think you're just speechless with that stupid i kind of am because like yeah the history of medical advancements a lot of the time have just been coincidental or backdoored like aspirin comes from molds penicillin same uh there was some french um scientist in the i want to say 1800s who nobody knew where like cholera was coming from at the time but he was convinced it was through bodily fluids so ingested a bunch of different bodily fluids from somebody who had cholera but like not just ingested like he put it in his eye he injected it he took it as a suppository like he kept trying to give it to himself and like wasn't getting it so he thought it was like raw like it's a whole thing like that's a dedication to your belief system. Yeah, right you're like literally having a shit sandwich to prove your point. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I get these flying leaps, but like I said, like the audience back then versus the audience now makes it irresponsibly yes. dangerous. Because people will steam their vaginas. People just will because do- like. Gwyneth Paltrow Gwyneth said, Paltrow told them to steam your vaginas. Even the doctors say, please don't steam your vagina. It's very bad for you. Yeah. 
and you won't take your kids to get vaccinated because a Playboy bunny told you not to. Like, people need to be more responsible with the with the, the platforms ideas that, they're that they on. have. I agree. Like, okay, do your biohacking. Don't maybe put it on YouTube. Yeah. Tell me about it when you're right. Yeah. And like, he should know better because he's gone through the PhD process. He's gone through the education to know what the scientific process is like and why it's so rigorous. Yeah. And then, like you were saying, that um, that last company there who's like hiring biohackers instead of PhDs, like, yeah, because you and I can claim we're biohackers. Yeah. Like, that makes us just as qualified as everyone else who claims there's a biohacker, but nowhere near as qualified as a PhD. In yeah. Like, sciences. this guy at least has a PhD. And, and I think so some of these people know do. Better, but, but like you said, I sh- she should, like I said, he should know better. But some of these people are highly educated. They just don't like the confinements of a, well, a normal lab setting, right? But still... Then you're in the wrong line of business. Yeah, exactly. Go make sandwiches at Subway. Like, (laughs) be responsible adults. (laughs) Yeah, it just boggles my fucking mind. Also, dude, I want to find this Irish guy who injected himself Did BuzzFeed name him? No. Damn. Because the the case study probably didn't name him because that would be very bad. Yeah. I was wondering if it was like a news article. That, uh... But no, it was a like study. I think they found like someone was going through the the medical the journals, journals looking for the like, craziest things that week. Yeah, no fair. <laughs> I could do that for a job. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I want to like be like, why did you think this would work? Can you imagine? Like, I'm assuming these doctors are either in a hospital or a university setting had to go to their department head and be like, so I want to undertake a systematic review for publication. Great. Everyone should be published more. Totally. What's it about? Some dude who was taking cum shots to the arm. No, literal shots of cum in the arm. <laughs> Via a needle. Like, how your boss signs <laughs> off on the funding for that? Academic freedom is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I want to uh, go to eccentric corners of the internet yes. to see where this idea came from. <laughs> Please don't watch my browser history for the next month. <laughs> also, how do you get a research? Like, I want to hire a student research assistant yeah. to, like... <laughs> like, weekly check-ins with HR to make sure there's no, like, <laughs> accusations of anything here. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so what did you do for your... Uh... How'd you spend the summer? <laughs> well, a lot of Google searches that went real wrong real fast. <laughs> yeah. I, I was connected to... Uh, no network <laughs> like we just need a computer that's just connected to the internet it was like a commodore 64 <laughs> dial up just to be safe not connected to the university no. network at all we're off the grid yeah. as much as possible yeah <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah i i had been saving that one for a while well well done my friend yeah. well done i don't know how we're gonna tie your story to mine at all these are always so fun. I know. It's going to be a reach. So, in response to my hella positivity in March, um, needed to go in another direction. And like last week, I went negative. This week, I'm going fucked up. So, <laughs> buckle up. You did too, apparently. I keep a list of topics on my phone. And so, I was going to combine a bunch of them and call it the power of the human brain. Uh, but then I started researching the first one on the list and I realized like you could just this is on its own like holy shit so today I'm talking about tulpas do you know the term no possible tulpas 
that are famous include the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and aliens. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But are you thinking cryptozoology? Maybe, yes. Okay, different thing. So the term tulpa originates from the Tibetan phrase or slash words that means to construct or to build or create. So from Rational Wiki, which I love that there's something called Rational Wiki out there, like, awesome. In Tibetan Buddhism, a tulpa is a creature that is summoned into creation through sheer force of will. Since the 1970s, the term has been used in Western culture to refer to a, quote, sentient, sapient being co-inhabiting with a host consciousness. Some consider a tulpa to be little more than a hallucinatory, imaginary friend, whereas others believe that they are sentient, self-aware entities sharing a brain with their host. And the act of hosting a tulpa is known as tulpamancy. Evidence for the existence of tulpas as legitimate, autonomous, self-aware beings remains unconvincing, as very little psychological research has targeted the phenomenon. Most evidence is purely anecdotal, and the research that does exist employs descriptive methods only. Research conducted on disassociative identity disorder, which is referred to in previous iterations of the DSM as multiple personality disorders, is provocative, but it challenges the wildly held intuition that the human brain can support only a single self-identity. And in any case, what is clear is that additional scientific study of the topic is well warranted. So it's a really high-powered imaginary friend. Yeah, historical background for you on it. There are two sources of the tulpa-like creations that influence Western and modern understandings of the phenomenon. So in Indian Buddhism, the Samanafala Sutta, and I spelled that out phonetically this time. Nice. Mm-hmm. Describe the creation of a, quote, mind-made body resulting from a contemplative life. This is used to explain how the Buddha is able to travel to heavenly realms using the mind stream and how Buddha was able to perform the multiplication miracle. Buddha is also credited with being able to project multiple bodies in various forms in various realms simultaneously. Uh, Around the same time, so this is, I think, four or five centuries before the Common Era, Tibetan Buddhism emerged with the same theory, and this is from whence the term tulpa comes, it's the Tibetan phrase. Uh, In that case, the Buddha was three emanation bodies, and humans, being unrealized beings, have their own or may actually be emanation bodies ourselves. Basically, if you think about your imaginary friend really hard, really long, it becomes an actual person slash being slash creature. Okay. Yep. (laughs) I'm buckling up for this road. (laughs) So shit started popping off in the modern era in the West at the turn of the 20th century when all things Eastern and the study of the mind became the big rage, right? In 1927, translations of the Tibetan Book of the Dead used the term thought form to describe a tulpa. And Alexandra David Nele claimed to have observed tulpas in action in the early part of the century while exploring Tibet. She described them as, quote, magical formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought. Anyone can create them, human, divine, or demonic, depending on the degree of power that you have, the strength of concentration that you can employ, and the general quality of your mind. From there, the Western occult circles leaned into the idea of the tulpa, and that's where the term thought forms really took off. Some posit that they are actually the auras that surround people, which are generated by thoughts and feelings, or that they could be astral projections of ourselves. 
So from those early and not so early starts, the concept has morphed a little bit. Nowadays, a tulpa is a quote, manifested imaginary friend that can act and think independently of your own consciousness. It can seem like you're interacting in your mind with an independent person, spirit, energy, or entity. And there's a whole body of thought around the concept of tulpamancy. Of course, as you were saying in your flat earther story, in the age of the internet where you can find a community for everything, (laughs) there is a growing body of people who are embracing the tulpa lifestyle. So there is a very aptly named website called tulpa.info and they describe what it is and they are all in on the concept that these are real creatures, things, people, entities. So if you check out their what is a tulpa section, it says, quote, a tulpa is an entity created in the mind acting independently of and parallel to your own consciousness. They are able to think and have their own free will, emotions, and memories. In short, a tulpa is like a sentient person living in your head, separate from you. It takes time for a tulpa to develop a convincing and complex personality. As they grow older, your attention and their life experience will shape them into a person with their own hopes, dreams, and beliefs. What? (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) I mean, I know you've already buckled up, but like, just just keep on buckling. (laughs) Just keep, 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 stay with me. A tulpa is never done. Like a regular person, they are continuously growing and evolving. Creating one is a lifelong commitment to raising and living with another person. And all tulpas have a form. Previously, they were conceived as being human form, but now in the modern age, they can be human or cartoon or even animal. It all depends on your preference, but they all have a human mind. Sweet Jesus. (laughs) People need to get out more. (laughs) You interact with your tulpa in your mind space, which is known as your wonderland. And it's a persistently visualized space dedicated to these interactions. So it's like a mind palace, a memory palace, where you and your tulpa frolic together. I I have a mind space. It's a giant, messy filing cabinet (laughs) that I go to when I need to try to remember something. Well, if you want to put a tulpa in the back of one of those drawers... No, I'm good. I, I don't really need to have a lifelong commitment to raising somebody. I already have two. Two of those. Uh, so and again, I'm counting down the days to 2038. <laughs> Is that retirement or 18 when you can kick them out? That'll be the young, uh, youngest will be 19. So hopefully they'll be out of that. Got it. <laughs> I, I love my kids. <laughs> they are just little jerks right now. Toddlers are assholes. Uh, again, from tulpa.info, quote, if you commit to the process and put a significant amount of time and effort into your tulpa, you will end up with a friend for life. You'll have a big hand in shaping your tulpa's personality, and it'll be easy to understand them and for them to understand you, almost guaranteeing a close friendship. Because they don't have free will. It's all in yeah. your mind. Tulpas have free wills. Getting to know your tulpa will teach you lessons in empathy and give you insight into your own personality and thoughts. They can give you an alternative opinion on problems you have, support you emotionally, and tell you off when you're being stupid. The connection between a host, that's you, and a tulpa is very powerful and intimate one, and you'll always have a friend to speak with in your head. <laughs> Looks like Andy needs a minute. <laughs> there are different ways to communicate with I your tulpa. I think this is what most people call schizophrenia, when you're talking with people in your mind. Buckle up again, we're getting okay, there. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank God. 
So there Please are... don't tell me this is your way of telling me you have a topa. Well, now things are just going to get awkward. <laughs> there are different ways to communicate with a tulpa, but the most common is through, quote, mind voice, where you hear thoughts that aren't your own and you direct your thoughts back to your tulpa. Another common way is through emotions, when you sense emotions that aren't your own. And the most advanced way that you can interact with them is through imposition, which consists of hallucinating your tulpa as you master it and inserting it into your world as if they were real. So you see them in your world. <laughs> Finally, you can interact with your tulpa via possession, wherein you allow your tulpa to take control of your body. The website stresses that, quote, tulpas are not malicious unless you really mess up during the creation process and treat your tulpa in a way that makes them utterly hate you. And even then, a tulpa can't really do much harm. Tulpas aren't self-imposed schizophrenia or whatever other mental illness you might be thinking of. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buckle up again. So let's look at why you might want to create one. The most common reasons, there's two of them, is you want the companionship slash friendship, because this person will be around, this creature will be around forever. Or you want someone to bounce ideas off of, to be your inner guidepost on different things. So you're probably wondering... Are they dangerous? Are you wondering? Are they yeah, I'm, I'm wondering so many things right now. <laughs> <laughs> to others, no. To you, the creator, they can be. You don't want to get lost between what's reality and what's your creation. Even if you can keep that straight, talking to someone or something that isn't there isn't usually accepted in our society, so you may be subject to that very condescending look on Andy's face right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it can be hard to tell what's the tulpa and what's an actual mental health issue. So be aware, this is a concern of the Tulpa community. Lord love the internet because there's actually a wiki how on how you can make one of these things for yourself. Oh, good lord. In 14 easy steps. <laughs> one, think long and hard before you create it because it's a full formed being. So it's not easy either ethically or otherwise to actually get rid of. Because if you choose to get rid of it, you'll in essence be killing something with a its own personality, its thoughts, its free will, its beingness. Step two. <laughs> oh, the glasses are off. <laughs> Step two, plan out the broad strokes. Are they humanoid or animal shaped? Are they going to be funny or serious? And then you plan what you want them to look like. So you can make this John Ham. <laughs> this is where I would like to introduce you to my top now. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you said you made a top and you look like John Ham. Everyone's on board, right? I, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I might be able to get on board with this. <laughs> that perma-single lifestyle is rough. Uh, plan what you want them to look like. So either they're going to be the human form, they're going to be the cartoon, the animal. There's a lot of imagery online of people drawing their anime-looking tulpas. Step four, what major personality traits do you want them to have? can't be too detailed here because you can't impose a personality on someone else. Like you can't decide what your children will be. They are independently forming beings. So they'll have yes, their own personality are. that will develop over time. Stubborn. Step five, then you start visualizing your tulpa. Step six, you try to touch them in your imagination. Step seven is you try to smell them in your imagination. This is getting really creepy. Because you're bringing in all the senses to create this being. Uh, step eight, visualize how they move. Step nine is when you create your wonderland, so where you're going to place them and where you're going to interact with them. 
And then you start having conversations with your tulpa. In, in your head, you start speaking to your tulpa, so it becomes more of a real thing to you. Step 11, create the tulpa's voice in your head. So what would that response back in the conversation sound like? Step 12, determine if your tulpa is sentient. So ask them a question, and if they have their own opinion, that's the sign that, yes, they have become sentient. But it's all in your head, so it's all your own opinion. Step 13, bring your tulpa out into your world. Start by taking a walk and visualize them following behind you. And then step 14. Because they're a servant? <laughs> well, that's where you start. So you see them in your periphery, and then you bring them more and more into you. Okay. And then step 14 is you connect with the wider tulpa community. So you understand you're not alone, and there are other tulpa masters out there. I would like to point out that all the people in the illustrations on the wiki how are white, because I think only white people have enough time and money to actually do this whole thing. Anyway, let's look at- I also think wiki how uses a lot of like stock photos. No, they're drawings. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. And it's not exactly like there's a big rush of like Tulpa creation drawings out there on the web. They had <laughs> to be custom true. made. <laughs> or they just said, your son, he's good at drawing. <laughs> Draw me up something. I need him to draw me this for my wiki house. <laughs> so let's look at some examples of tulpas, shall we? Remember Alexandra David Nelle? Uh, she was the explorer who described tulpas for the Western audience at the start of the last century. Well, probably no surprise, but she created one of the first documented tulpas. She wanted to see if she could actually create one, so she focused her energy on a Friar Tuck-style character. So the big, jolly, friar-looking guy. After months of deep meditation in which she gave her tulpa a character, history, and background, it finally materialized. At first, she could only see the figure in her peripheral vision, and it was somewhat shadowy and ethereal. So here's a quote from Alexander herself, quote, He became a kind of guest living in my apartment. I then broke my seclusion and started for a tour with my servants and tents. The monk included himself in the party. Though I lived in the open riding on horseback for miles each day, the illusion persisted. It is not necessary for me to think of him to make him appear. The phantom performed various actions of the kind that are natural to travelers and that I had not commanded. For instance, he walked, stopped, looked around him. The illusion was mostly visual, but sometimes I felt as if a robe was lightly rubbing against me and once a hand seemed to touch my shoulder. Things didn't always stay great, though. She reflected on the affair some years later and provided the following description of what ended up happening. Quote, the fat, chubby-cheeked fellow grew leaner. His face assumed a vaguely mocking, sly, malignant look. He became more troublesome and bold. In brief, he escaped my control. She was worried it would start harming other people, so decided that she had to reabsorb him into her consciousness to destroy him. And according to Alexandra, it took more than half a year for the monk to finally loose its form, return to her control, and ultimately vanish from our 3D existence and back into her dreams and imagination. And eventually it was gone from those realms as well, utterly and finally obliterated. And this is the story that turned me on to tulpas, because there's a book that my dad had when I was growing up. It was a Reader's Digest, imagine, like, extraordinary and imaginary, like, beams or something not quite beams it was more like an encyclopedia of stuff of like space and ghosts and like all types of weird and this was one of the stories features in there so the friar tech always drew me in well because of your love of animated (laughs) animated foxy foxes (laughs) 
So here's a modern. So much of this is now making sense. <laughs> it's all can... connecting. <laughs> here's a modern take on it, though, and I pulled this from a Reddit forum called Tulpas. And oh, Reddit! I am generally afraid of Reddit, but I knew when I was looking for this type of this is going to be the the spot. Yeah. So I just have one story for you. Um, there's the host who's writing, and then her tulpa, which is named Ghost. So it took a month to create Ghost. And rather than give Ghost personality traits, the host gave her values. So Ghost is a female. Quote, at first she couldn't say anything to me. She had always a neutral expression and only gave me shadow thoughts, basically replying with a feeling of yes or no to questions I asked her. I found out about her feelings too. I know she loves me, but she's also bothered by my lazy nature because sometimes she wants more attention or to do something specific and I just don't do it. And she ends up getting a little mad at me. Brackets, totally justified. One time she was jealous because I paid more attention to a friend than to her. And thanks to that, I took action and also had the opportunity to teach her why jealousy is bad. Open bracket. And I kind of taught the same lesson to myself while doing so. Ha ha, close bracket which until now I wasn't sure if the host was a man or a woman. And then they gave that really stupid description of jealousy. And I was like, oh, it's a dude, <laughs> no doubt. I also noticed her personality tastes that differ from mine, which is a good thing because it reinforces my feelings that she's a different person than me. That also causes the problem of preferring to do our favorite things instead of letting the other one do theirs. But that's no big deal. And I will work hard to give her what she likes, ha ha. As for my feelings towards her, I love her and I can't wait for her to fully develop and finally hear her real voice. You know, when you start hearing the Tulpa's voice as an external, instead of feeling like you're talking to yourself. And then the post closes, ghost, do you want to say anything? Open hard bracket. Yes, I am ghost. Nice to meet you. I would like to get along with you. I don't know what else to say. I hope you're all fine. And if you have any questions, just ask me. Close hard bracket. I am judging these people. I know I say I don't judge. I do, though. I think we say that in one other. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. So you've made a tulpa, but you no longer want it. What do you do? First of all, acknowledge the fact that you're in essence killing an independent spirit and being. So that's on your conscious. If you could deal with that, move on to the next steps. Meditate and think about the tulpa. Picture it behind a white shield of light. And when the shield is down, it can't interact with you. Practicing it behind the shield every day. While it's back there, you can't hear it or see it. And it's a long process and may take longer to remove than it did to make. But if you're diligent, you will eventually do away with the tulpa's existence. So that is the, the glory that is tulpa's. However, if you're skeptical like me, or if you're, if you're skeptical like I am, this sounds... Skeptical too. <laughs> this sounds like there's a lot of issues attached to it. Yes. Yeah. A lot of us hiding a lot of mental health issues. Yes, a lot. Well, that's my next line. Quote, a lot of this sounds like it could very easily be confused with mental illness. So where are we all with all that? (laughs) Because, yes, fuck, if you hear voices that aren't your own in your head, my first thought is not tulpa. My first thought is schizophrenia. Yes. Yes. Also, like, you're not really, if you're creating something in your mind, it's not really an independent being. No. You're also not bouncing ideas off somebody else. You're bouncing ideas off yourself. If you're lonely and you want to bounce ideas off of somebody, go to a forum. There's many of them on the internet. Find some rando stranger, bounce some ideas off other people. This is what I'm saying. Anyway, sorry, go on. Because <laughs> this is 
bonkers. So when I, like I said, my original understanding of the tulpa was from the Friar Tuck story. And then I read a book by um, Preston and Childs um, a while ago, part of the Pendergrass series, where this tulpa comes to life and like is about to crash a cruise ship, which weird connection to last week's episode. And again, another reason why no cruise ships for me, just in case there's a tulpa, like a dangerous tulpa aboard. Um, so this whole like modern tulpa culture, I didn't even know existed. So when I thought I was just going to get a bunch of historical and like cultural examples of it, and then I like stumbled into like this giant web of like wiki hows and reddits and because as we discovered, the internet connects people in not such great ways. Exactly. Uh, so I did go looking for some more information about like. What is this in the modern sense versus how do we, are we sure it's not mental illness, right? So writing for Psychology Today, cognitive anthropologist Samuel Vezier, who has studied tulpomancy, tackled the question. And in his study, he concluded that tulpomancers are not crazy. Again, he is an anthropologist and not a medical doctor. The people that he has studied and surveyed report an overwhelmingly positive experience with the tulpa, an overall increase in happiness and are more confident in social settings post-creation of their tulpa. Even those diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and or ADHD reported these positive outcomes as tulpas are usually, quote, immune to the conditions of their host. It appears that those with tulpas end up being more empathetic because they're training themselves to be attuned to the needs of others. Therapeutic work to turn negative internal voices into positive ones can benefit from the creation of a tulpa. And neither hallucinations nor psychosis are related to true tulpas. So I read all that, I see all that, I learn all that, and I think to myself that the people who are creating these modern tulpas are probably very sad, lonely, isolated, socially awkward individuals who need someone or something to not feel that way and to feel connected with the world around them yes but it does make me worried that it will mask some signs of mental illness especially because really the people who are engaged in this culture are in their late teens early 20s which is also the time when schizophrenia emerges like for the most part like also like it just it, it makes me feel bad now for like making fun of it and judging it because like these people obviously are lonely yes but there are i think better and more healthy ways to cope like a therapist will tell you that your coping mechanism is great until it limits you from living a full productive life and if you're creating an imaginary internal life and you're not experiencing an external life then it's not a effective coping mechanism and if, you know, your imaginary friend is getting jealous because you're spending too much time with a real person. Exactly. If you're depending on the creation and development of love from your tulpa to fill that need that you have, like, it's just, it's not an effective way of dealing with issues. The point that this cognitive anthropologist uh, Samuel Vezier makes is that we can't quite prove that they're not real, since I can't prove that you, Andy, sitting across from me, are having fully conscious eternal thoughts, how can I prove that you're not? And so because I can't know what's happening in anyone else's brain, I can't know whether or not a tulpa is real because I can't know whether they're there or not. And that's the difficulty with these things. 
If a person is truly experiencing voices in their head in a schizophrenic kind of way, tulpas may help. In Western cultures, schizophrenics report voices that are scary, violent, or threatening. While in Eastern cultures, where these tulpas originated, they are generally more friendly, guiding in nature, and or are the voices of past relatives. So where it's already like a pre-understood yeah. existing beneficial thing, schizophrenics have a better experience than they do in the West, whereas we're always been told since Victorian Puritan age that like hearing voices is bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I some of these other cultures, they spend a lot of time in meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess then that's apparently how you make a tropa. Yep. That's not something that we are used to experiencing. Right. So it just makes me wonder, these people who are creating them in our societies, how are they creating them? Are they really doing that sort of deep... Deep dive meditation. Like spending hours in meditation? Because, I mean, these elevated Buddhas, that's what they do, yeah. right? They're, they're, they're in... Yeah. That's, they're deep not, states yeah. for quite a while. Or are they just lonely kids who are on a Reddit internet? platform and have created an anime looking friend to be part of their life with them yeah yeah to that point tulpas are generally rejected in the west because they aren't culturally acceptable but that's not the case everywhere it has a negative connotation here because we link hearing voices with mental illness whereas in the east where they come from it's linked more to meditation which is an important social aspect um and that's why it's a cognitive anthropologist writing this article uh and he closes out saying to sum up Tulpamancy presents us with a fascinating case study for the study of the embodied and social nature of consciousness and cognition and the emergence of new forms of culture and subjectivity. It also offers an important paradigm for revisiting our simplistic and limiting understanding of mental illness on the one hand and mental life and personhood on the other. So yes and no, (laughs) I want to say. Like, yes, it's a good way of maybe being a little bit more willing to understand others and the experiences of others but again it's got to be couched in the are we sure this isn't schizophrenia are we sure this isn't just a band-aid for a lack of social abilities so gonna get out of hand yes exactly so my take on all this is that i'm worried it can mask mental illness at best it's a way for lonely people to feel a connection And I am absolutely 100% convinced that some cryptozoological creatures like the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, the Mothman, aliens, are more than likely tulpas. Whereas this entire planet of 7 billion people are putting thoughts out into the universe thinking there's some giant ape-like creature bombing his way through the Northwest's forest. Have we just created a mass tulpa? Because we're putting all this energy and time and effort into thinking it into being. And if that's true for Bigfoot, it's probably true for the Loch Ness, maybe aliens, probably Mothman. And it's just a collective. John Hamm. John Hamm. It's a collective tulpa we've all put together. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, Weird. People are strange. Yes. Delightfully, like, it takes all different flavors to make Baskin Robbins. But uh, I think there's a bit of nuts in some of that. Ice cream, too. (laughs) I definitely think we've covered nuttier varieties here tonight. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think these are the sadder varieties. Yeah. You know, like the plain vanilla that, like, nobody really wants. It's got, like, ice burn on. I love me some French vanilla. Oh, Andy. (laughs) 
I love a French vanilla milkshake. It's so well, you, but if you're looking at like a case of 31 flavors, that's true. My favorite is gold medal ribbon. <laughs> okay, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've had like good scooped ice cream. It's the one that has like caramel and chocolate and vanilla in it. Okay, yes, I'll go for that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our show for this week. Uh, if you would like to connect with us, our website is www.rabbitholespodcast.com. Our email, if you would like to reach out and let us know about some rabbit holes that you fall down or that you'd like us to fall down for you or to introduce us to your tulpa, I promise I'll read it and Andy won't, so she won't be judgy. Um, (laughs) Our email is rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. On our website, too, you can find our merch tab, so you can head over to Redbubble and pick up some merch with the logo on it to rep us out in the big bad world. And our support tab has a link to our patron page, you can sign up and come on board as a patron and get access to a bunch of free content behind the paywall. Fun content. Fun content. Lots of uh, bonus clips that gets carved off the show. And I'm still going to be putting up the theme song as a ringtone shortly. So Sweet. Fun times. You can find us on social media, the great leveling agent that it is. For you better know, or worse. For better or worse, I think it's probably much worse, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> um, I think we as a society cannot be trusted with such things. Mm-mm. You can find us on Facebook at Rabbit Holes Podcast page, Twitter at Rabbit Holes Pod, and Instagram at Rabbit Holes Podcast. If you like what we do, you can also give us a review or rate us on uh, a number of platforms because we're on all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So please, we are not too proud to beg for your reviews. We like the uh, affirmation that uh, something is going right with our lives. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, We love the affirmation anyway. Um, and if you'd like to give us a recommendation to your friends, because that's how most of us uh, learn about new podcasts, I'm always telling Elise that she needs to listen to whatever thing I'm binging, like The Dropout or <laughs> Dirty John, or right now I've started the third season of Uncover. Mm, that's so, a good one. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, last week, as we were closing out, I was thinking, like, shit, I had a thought, and I lost it. I remember what it is now. Shout out to whoever is in Cape Broil, who's been binging yes. us. Um, I had just assumed all Newfoundlanders knew each other, because <laughs> there's, like, what, eight of you? But Andy tells me she probably doesn't know you. So thank you to Cape Broil. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> I had to Google it. And I was like, this feels Newfoundlandish, but I'm not too sure. I'll just check it out. Oh, and hey, guys, just uh, one last uh, quick notice. We're going to drop our episode next week, one day early, on... You want to tell them the date? 420! Yeah, because the last time we were together uh, and not having be responsible for children or work the next morning, we might have hit the bowl a little bit. Yeah. So we did that and then went through some weird BuzzFeed list of just weird facts and shower thoughts. And so you'll get to hear what we sound like stoned, whereas Andy's eyes are like at half mass, like all the way, like for the whole thing. And I am your tour guide through the weird and pothole filled (laughs) incident. So uh, be sure to check that out. We're coming to a day early so we can catch the 420 date and we hope you enjoy. Yes. So that's it for this week. There's only one last thing to do, and that's to remind you that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Bye.